WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's Exposure. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Exposure. It is Tuesday, the 27th, and uh, for those of you who are tuning in on your summer break, thank you for tuning in. And those of you who are tuning in just to tune in, you are welcome also. Tonight, we're going to be discussing housing issues and how they could affect you, might be affecting you, um, as well as some situations and things that we can maybe help you out as far as getting your housing situation a little more back on track. Tonight, my panel includes John, who is a, uh, a DJ and an all-around good guy. <laughs> Michelle, who I just met, but is wonderful also. Jaron, and nonetheless, Eric, sitting over here to my right. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start over here with John. Uh, how are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking. Uh, maybe you could tell a little bit about your uh, your qualifications, perhaps, for being here with us this evening. Well, I, I wouldn't go that far, but uh, I am an international relations junior in uh, James Madison here at State, and uh, I just finished writing a, a pretty big paper on the subprime mortgage crisis and uh, how it's affected housing markets across the country from Cleveland to Detroit. So okay. that's where I'm coming from. I think those qualifications certainly outdo mine on this particular topic. <laughs> Michelle, welcome. Thank, Thank you, you for coming in and uh, avoiding all the construction going on upstairs. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, my name is Michelle Reardon. I work with Hometown Housing Partnership. We're a local nonprofit focusing on um, improving access to home ownership here in East Lansing. Okay, very good. And Jaron, nice to have you as well. Thank you. Beautiful name also. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, my name is Jerhan Leifers, and I'm with the Michigan State Housing Development Authority. I am a community development specialist in our Office of Community Development. I work with 12 counties across the state, working with local units of government and nonprofits to provide grants and loans for affordable housing for low- to moderate-income individuals and families. Okay, very good. And Eric, welcome. Thank you. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about uh, your expertise on the topic. Sure. I'm Eric Schertzing. I'm the elected uh, county treasurer in Ingham County. Spend a lot of time on these issues. Also uh, chair the Ingham County Land Bank Authority, which is an economic development tool focused on affordable, high-quality housing. Okay. Very good. Um, as I said earlier, tonight's uh, discussion and panel is to discuss a little bit about what's going on in our community, and I guess not only our community, but all across the country, it seems. Um, I guess when you look at it, when you look at what's happening with the real estate and, and people's homes, uh, you kind of look at it and probably say, "Well, you know, there's got to be an easy solution, and or or there's you know a, a very difficult solution." No matter how you look at it, you think that there's something that you can do. But in my talks and conversations and research with uh, people also interested in the subject that it's it's not really an easy solution and when the economy starts to go down you know what can you do i mean what what's the first step if you find that you're in a home or a, a property that you are not you know not being able to afford can't hang on anymore what's the first step we'll, well defer to you eric well, I, th I think the first thing to know is that there are folks out there, whether it's Mishta at the state or uh, in the local area. We have a uh, partnership through the ni the nine one one. I'm sorry, nine one one, two one one call system, uh, where people can be put in touch with counselors that are funded locally. They can sit down across the desk and talk about their problem. Uh, people didn't get into the situation overnight. They're not going to get out of it. Uh, overnight, but there are people uh, locally. Uh, we have a website, holdontoyourhome.org, which is getting four to 500 hits a day. People are finding that to uh, do some self-help stuff. Uh, there are other 800 numbers that have been publicized. Uh, you know, the web today is a great uh, search engine for people to find information right. uh, that can allow them to help themselves. 
Okay. Um, now, is that would that just be specifically for Ingham County residents, or is that a statewide? Well, the the the, the partnership that we have locally is funded by Clinton, Eaton, Ingham Counties, uh, Lansing, East Lansing. The you know the bigger uh, jurisdictions are are chipping in. The tools on the website holdonyourhome.org are available and useful to anybody in Michigan or in the in the country for that matter. Uh, Lighthouse Services in Pontiac, for example, refers right. people uh, to it, and we're we're happy to provide that platform if it can help people. Okay, um, I'll open it up. How how does Michigan or even East Lansing specifically compare to what's happening around the around the country? Well, uh, I could I could help with that one. Go for it. Uh, in in the course of my studies, I found a. Uh, uh, appreciation rate because real estate is historically an appreciating asset right. and uh, I found a chart uh, released by a federal government agency uh, that shows how quickly homes are appreciating in certain regions of the country actually on a state-by-state -state basis and what I found is that uh, after the subprime mortgage crunch we saw um, home values depreciating in most of the country with the exception of some of the states like Utah and, and Montana, some of those more spread out states seem to still have home values appreciating at the mm. rate of like 9% a year, which is sort of a boom appreciation rate, sure. which is what we were seeing throughout the country until the subprime mortgage crisis hit. After the crisis, we're seeing uh, either flat home values or slight decreases in the 1% to 3% range across most of the country. But then uh, states like Michigan, Florida, and Rhode Island have been hit the hardest. I think we have a negative 4.5% deep or appreciation rate which means that our homes are actually losing value at four and a half percent a year mm. currently all right now do you, is that are, are we number one in the country because i've heard varying statistics we are, we're the worst or we're the second worst or the third worst do we is there a definitive answer on that or there, there is and, and to tell you the truth i can't remember the absolute worst state but I, we're in the top three for sure we're up there okay um I'll ask some of you maybe what what do you think that that is? What is it about Michigan? I mean, I mean I know we're going through our own hardships of our own, but do you attribute that to uh, anything above and beyond or outside the box? Is that something that uh <laughs> well, <laughs> jump in ladies, let's go. <laughs> um, you know, I think that some of it is um our need for instant gratification. Okay. Um so with the subprime mortgage market, a lot of people who probably should have been told to take some time with budgeting and, and clearing up some of their financial issues, take 12 months, take 18 months. They were offered a product that they may not have understood what would happen right. um, after the first two to three years. They um, got in over their heads because of that instant gratification. There are a lot of things that have allowed us to get exactly what we want right when we want it. And this is kind of what the subprime market did. For people who, sh had they gone to um, maybe a regular bank or a more traditional mortgage lender, they would have been told, let's spend some time budgeting, let's spend some time um, cleaning up your credit so that you can have a fixed rate um, right. mortgage. And so um, that, you know, so I think people have gotten in over their heads, but I do want to say that, you know, we... Mishta, when I say we, I mean Mishta. Mishta, we have a home buyer program, and our um, foreclosure rate is way less than what is the national average because our groups are working with the buyers, putting them through pre pre purchase homeownership counseling, working with budgeting with them, and so it's more affordable for them. Making sure we have strict qualifications of what their mortgage can look like. They cannot have an adjustable rate mortgage. They have to have um, an interest rate that is within 200 basis points of what Mishta's interest rate is on our mortgage. And so we have really tried to set the buyers who buy through our programs up for success. And so then, essentially, are you alluding to the fact that a lot of the problem, or some of the problem at least, is that there's not been a lot of fine print reading, or it's just, I want a home and I'm going to do whatever I need to get it right now. Who cares what happens like a week down the road type of thing? It, some of that could be, but then sometimes people are at a few five years ago, um, getting an adjustable rate mortgage 
was a good thing because it, the economy was good and people had their jobs and they thought, well, you know, five years from now we can refinance and do a fixed rate, but things happen. Somebody loses their job or they have a medical crisis or, you know, a lot of people, um, they just find themselves in situations where it's they're not able to refinance or they weren't aware. But I think a lot of people are don't read the fine print and they don't, they, we come in contact with a lot of people who didn't know that there was a balloon payment due at the end of year five. And so they don't know that, you know, five years from now I'm going to have to refinance. And then if they're not able to, then they've lost their home. And there's evidence that, uh, those practices by the mortgage lenders were actually predatory Mm -hmm. in that even though the fine print uh, said something about the balloon payment that happens later and the increasing interest rate, um, the salespeople actually said something completely opposite. I think think something we're overlooking here, though, too, is that the entire economic base in the mid-Michigan area has changed drastically over the last five years. I mean, we've had several plant closings. We've gone from... I mean, everyone calls Detroit the Motor City, but Lansing at one time employed more people in the automotive industry than Detroit ever did. And we've gone from something, I think the numbers are 25,000 people employed in the automotive industry and manufacturing and first and second tier suppliers along with, you know, on the line and in the plants. And now we're down to less than 5,000, I think, in the mid-Michigan area. And... So we're looking at people, and this impacts housing not just in mid-Michigan area, but this impacts the several, I mean, you grow up in Michigan and everybody goes up north on vacation, and that means that people have property up north, and now's the time to buy up north because people are really trying to unload those houses. And Mm -hmm. I think that um, economic base across Michigan is definitely impacting um, Detroit area worse than it is here. Um, I think some positive things should be said. East Lansing has lower foreclosure rates um, than <clears throat> than we're seeing across the region, and I can't tell you why that is. But the other thing is, is um, East Lansing housing houses are selling quicker mm. than across the region right now. I mean, um, and recent news from one of our realtors on our board is that people are starting to buy again, which is great. Right. But, you know, there is some positive news out there about this. I wonder it's how a buyer's market. Yeah, there, yeah. There, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of positive news, really, about mid-Michigan. We have an extremely uh, diversified economy. Um, as I talk to friends around the, around the state, I mean, we're really in a uh, positive bubble. Unemployment here is lower. It always is. Mm. Uh, home appreciation... Uh, over five years is still positive. We're up about 10%. That's not a lot, but it, it's still positive. Uh, Detroit's down about 5% in that same five-year period. Um, you know, the the land bank authority that I chair, we have sold as many houses this year, seven, as we sold all of last year. Um, and we're not just talking about starter homes. We sold a home yesterday, closed on it, um, 700 block of Seymour Street in Lansing for 152 uh thousand nine hundred dollars this is a, a, a couple out of newton iowa oh. first-time home buyers uh, they looked at that home and it came down to that home and one in bath township hazlitt schools and and they chose just north of downtown lansing right. a brand new high quality home it was a it was a good buy it's a strong neighborhood um, I think the sales history that the land bank has this year really, you know, shows what Michelle was talking about, that think, things are pretty good, looking up, moving along. It's not what it was, right. um, but still strong compared to the rest of the state. Now, if I would hazard a guess, uh, the, the underlying current for that would be both the university and the uh, political infrastructure in the capital. So basically, we're looking at a transition to a knowledge economy, and that's what's keeping this region strong. And, and, and health care and financial services are, are huge. We have a lot of major insurance companies headquartered here. Uh, health care, we are a regional hub. Uh, those have really made up for and really replaced the uh, manufacturing jobs. Uh, they pay better. So. Um, it's interesting that you brought up the point of up north and everybody going up north. Uh, many of us, or some of us at least, probably were up north this last weekend, as such as myself. And uh, I was amazed at how many houses were for sale and the prices. I mean, they were written right on the window, you know, 25000 you know, 50 steps from the lake. You know, it's like, wow. People are getting real creative with financing, too. You're starting to see um, land contract advertised again. Um lease to own. Um, I have a family member that's trying to sell a house in the Detroit area and was just put an offer 
just received an offer for a lease to own. I mean, yeah. it's there's a whole new way of thinking about housing again, and um, you know, but but people can get into great houses right now. You know, the foreclosure doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad house. So okay. there's there's houses out there. Um, maybe we can just review uh, for any of the listeners that may not understand exactly what a foreclosure is. Would anyone like to define exactly what that is? Well, wh- which kind of foreclosure? Okay, <laughs> well, there we go. All right. You know, that just opens up a whole other box. We're well, still going to look directly well, at Eric for this. <laughs> well, you've as, been chosen. As, as county treasurer, I deal with tax foreclosures. I right. mean, on, on March 31st of this year, there were 108 of those that I under my statutory authority as county treasurer, foreclosed on for taxes. Um, far more is mortgage foreclosure. You know, that, that's where somebody has fallen behind and is unable to meet the terms of their uh, mortgage with their lender. In Ingham County last year, there were about 1,700 of those. Um, we're on track uh, through the first four months of this year to be up about 20% uh, from that, unfortunately. Uh, the problem is, is shifting outward. It, uh, Lansing was the beginning of it with the subprime uh, uh, information that we talked about earlier. Uh, but as we moved into 2007 and 2008, mortgage foreclosure spread more readily out into Delhi Township, Meridian Township, DeWitt, right. you know, the, the areas surrounding the city of Lansing. Very good. Yeah, uh, it wasn't just uh, the lower end of the market that was hit by the subprime crisis. Uh, they have so-called jumbo loans, which were loans in excess of $400,000. And we saw uh, in late 2006 mortgage companies begin to offer those jumbo loans without doing income checks because uh-huh. they were relying. That, that means, obviously, they weren't checking to see what you earned. They were relying on a verbal statement, which is basically asking you to lie. Because why else would they not verify it? Right. Um, and basically, they were relying on credit score products from a number of companies um, that basically ranked people based on the credit score that everyone talks about, you know, freecreditreport.com, right. stuff like that. And uh, it, was, it would behoove those credit reporting agencies to assign higher scores because they were paid on commission based on how many mortgages the lender then sold. <laughs> and so it was sort of a, a cyclical thing that... that uh, you know, that, that instant gratification thing that you talked about earlier extends not only to the borrower, but the lender as well. Wow. And before we kind of segue into anything else, if if people are listening and they are struggling to meet their um, mortgage requirements, um, Mishta has two... Um, new products through the Save the Dream program, which is the legislation that the governor signed um, that will allow MISHTA to um, do, we have two programs. The first one is the MISHTA Arm Assist Refinance, and this converts an adjustable rate mortgage to a fixed rate loan. Um, And so it's for people who currently have an adjustable rate mortgage, and they are looking at that it already has adjusted or it is going to adjust and the new loan amount can be up to 100% of the appraised value. Um, the other product that we offer through our homeownership division is the Mishta Rescue Refinance and that assists individuals who have had late payments on their mortgage. Again, um, with the other program just like that, it can be up to 100% of the appraised value. So um, we the state has recognized that foreclosure is an issue and um, foreclosure affects so much, not just the individual and not that just that house. And so the legislation was introduced and um, approved by the governor. And so as long as the um, property is occupied as the principal residence, it's a single family home or condominium, um, they can get the 30-year fixed rate conventional financing. And then they do have to meet income requirements, but it's based on the county you live in. And so the best thing to do, um, is it okay for me to give the number? Yeah, absolutely. Um, The best thing to do is call the number, the toll-free hotline, which is 1-866-946-7432. And that will be, you'll be connected to someone who can give you information, and that's statewide. So if you know of somebody that's not outside of Ingham County, um, they will be able to be directed to people who can help them. Okay, great. Now, is that program, seeing as how it's helping, you know, get the fixed 30 year, does that, is there a, a limit on how many people that they can help, or is that done on a first come, first serve basis? Like, how does that? 
they're going to be helping people. Um, it's my understanding they will help people as long as they're calling for right. the assistance. Wow, um, I, I really have, um, I apologize, but I have a little bit limited knowledge about that because right. I work in a different division within MISHTA. And so what I know for sure is that they have the two programs. Right. And so what they're doing is they're directing people to our participating lenders who do our mortgages. Um, and then they're doing the process and going through. So um, we've had several uh, reservations for the uh, refinance, and so it looks like it's been popular. And so our goal is to be able to help people who are facing that crisis. Right. Oh well, no apology necessary. Your uh, knowledge is <laughs> awesome. I'm learning a, a ton already. So, um, can we touch on something that yeah. just said? Actually, Michelle, I think it's please. real important to think about um, the housing issues. Don't just affect a single family. I mean, they they affect a community as a whole. Um, we all live in neighborhoods, whether we own or rent, and we all have neighbors that we wish would, you know, take better care of their home or, or just are unable to, and right. so they're helped out by other neighbors. And, and you know, I have kids and live in a neighborhood, and, and I when a house suddenly isn't being cared for because of our foreclosure issue, um, it used to be before the fast track authority, Eric. The timeline was a lot longer, correct? That that property would sit unattended, mm-hmm, essentially, mm-hmm. Um, and and make what might be unsafe environment. I mean, we all talk about how many of our parents walk to school and how many of their kids now walk to school. And part of the problem is the safety issues with abandoned houses sure. or unattended houses, and community is impacted just as much by this issue. And I think that that's really important. Mm-hmm. It also um, lowers house values for all the houses surrounding the house. It does. So. One single investment into into a single house actually starts a ripple effect, and I think that Eric can probably speak to that in some of your properties that you've been able to. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's national and, and statistics. Just just the mere fact that there is a foreclosure, a mortgage foreclosure on a block, even if it's well maintained, that brings down the entire block one percent. If if you have an abandoned home, this is a Philadelphia study that that, that was tracked um, of, of sub, you know, a home that isn't of the same quality of those on the on the block that's that's been abandoned, that declined property values on the entire block seven percent. Um, so people really only need to be. I, I was a Madison uh, graduate and. Uh, you know, still like to read the founding fathers, and if if you can figure out a reason that selfishly people do the right thing, I think it's always helpful because I, I, you know, it's easy to be selfish. Um, the, the, the re- well, maybe just for you, Eric. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm right there. No, you know, know, for me. The, 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 re- the reason everybody has a vested interest in this is that foreclosed property takes away from everybody's wealth in that neighborhood. Um, it, it isn't. Just impacting, as Jaron said, the, the family that was uh, subject to the foreclosure. I mean, seven percent on a block is a hundred thousand dollars worth of wealth that just evaporates because of a, a home that's not taken care of, and taxes um, that are lost, revenue yeah. for the for yeah. the for the jurisdiction as well. Because yeah. you know, blight blight is substandard homes become blighted. Blight is a disease, and that disease is cancer, and it spreads. Yeah. And if if it starts with one home, it's going to get another. Now, there are municipalities and, and in some cases states that are cons- uh, considering taxing or assessing the uh, lenders and banks that repossess these homes a fee mm-hmm. um, to try and recoup some of the losses uh, from, from foreclosed homes and, and the loss of property value, the loss of community. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you be able to speak to that at all as far as Ingham County goes? Well, I mean, Gr- Grand Rapids several years ago in the city of Lansing just this year passed uh, an ordinance so that a substandard home, a home that's red-tagged in the, you know, in the jargon, um, if it is not brought into compliance within a set period of time, it will have an administrative charge of $150 a month added to that property. Oh. And that, that's fairly significant on, on a lot of the properties that we're looking at for that situation in, uh, in Lansing. Um, there are some other states that have uh, even more severe uh, tax regimes where they will double or triple the taxes on a property that's not cared for and kept up to, up to code. Um, but I, I don't know of anybody in Michigan that has anything like that. But uh, Lansing did recently uh, mimic, sincerest form of flattery, the uh, 
the Grand Rapids uh, ordinance. My question about programs like that, um, if you don't mind, if no, I absolutely is, um, I mean, when we when we're in a situation where somebody who clearly can't take care of, or um, and maybe it's a monetary situation, or they're late on taxes, or they're late on a mortgage, and then we impose a fine, it's kind of like suspending a child for skipping school. Well, I was referring right. to fining the banks. Definitely right. not I guess the, that's, the individuals. That's a different. Well, you, you, you get both. You know, the yeah. system gets both. You, you know, I mean, the I, the mo- the most searing phone calls that that I have when because that is a, a issue that comes up. Um, would you want to be the property owner next to that? No. I mean, I, I I think we have to have as much care and sympathy and and help folks out as much as we can. But somebody that is not taking care of their property isn't impacting just themselves. They're, they're right. impacting everybody. And, you know, it's just like you can do whatever you want. You can hit your fist against your palm, your hand, but if you hit your neighbor's nose, you've broke the law. And, and that's what people are doing when they don't care for their homes. Some people just shouldn't be property owners, and unfortunately some of them have to be forced. Their hand has to be forced. Yeah. I think that's that's an excellent point, actually, is some people just shouldn't be property owners at this time. And that doesn't mean that, you know, a year from now or 24 months or whatever from now, you're not going to be a wonderful homeowner. But, at, you know, how MISHTA requires and our program that we have uh, down payment assistance programs, but one of our catches is you've got to attend homeowner counseling. And it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like you go for an hour and sit down and talk with somebody. I mean, it's homeowner counseling. It's mm-hmm. a, it's mm-hmm. up to four nights and, and you've got to sit down and really work through whether or not you think that you're going to be able to own a home. And not that everyone shouldn't be able to have property and pursue the American dream. Right. But it's a big purchase. I mean, it involves a lot of different things. So I don't think that's a bad idea. At all. And, and you know, as, as some of your listeners here us talking, they might be thinking, you know, gosh, am I, am I ever going to be able to, to own a home? You know, right. the, the market is, is changing again. You know, the, the things that they need to pay attention to is make sure they have uh, a credit score. I mean, you, you should get credit, use it wisely, uh, don't abuse it. Good credit will help you get a lower interest rate when you are interested in buying a car or, or buying a home. Which will save you thousands a- of dollars. A- yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, the other discipline that's coming back into the market is y- you need to have some money saved up. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that's the way 20 years ago I bought my first home. Uh, we had this five- or ten-year period in the middle where that, that historic way of doing things went out the window. Right. But I think that's come back. And, and, and deal with somebody you know. You know, if there's a brick-and-mortar institution that is invested in your community, that's supporting your community, wh- why would you get a mortgage from somebody you found on the Internet? Right. Well, and I think uh, having a down payment of a significant value also shows that you're really willing to, to try and make it work. So I don't think that's a bad institution to bring back at all. But, you know, but, yeah. but, you know, we, we, we had a, an administration uh, nationally that, uh, dec- we declared war. We went to war, and the second line was, you know, go to the mall and shop. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I mean, it, it isn't like people dreamt this up that you know I should do these kind of irrational things with money. Right. I mean, they were encouraged to do it right. from all uh, fronts, from, from all fronts, from from high up, from internationally, and uh, you know, bu- bubbles like that only last so long. So people need to really go back to the to the fundamentals, which are, you know, have have credit, be responsible with money, pay your bills, get good credit, and it's going to make it easy for you to get a good rate on that first auto and, and that first house. Right. And the other thing to consider is um, in my previous life, uh, I was I did ho- pre-purchase homeownership counseling. Okay. And so a lot of the people that came to the class, they were there because it was required by their lender. They already had put in a purchase offer. They had already gotten their mortgage financing. They couldn't close without getting the counseling. And so they were sitting in the class Really, like we've done, we're we're done with this. We because, just want your signature, right? We, right, exactly. And so, I would recommend, strongly recommend that once people say, "I think I want to buy a house," take the time to go through some pre-purchase homeownership counseling because now, you know, times have changed. This was a, a good ten years ago, nine years ago when I was doing this, and um, I would 
talk to people about the process, and then I would have a realtor come in and talk about the relationship with them and the realtor. A lender would come in and talk. An inspector would come in and talk. And so it was all about the things that people needed to do. And so a lot of times we rush into things without doing our homework. And these are, for for the most part, these are free classes that, I mean, you know, when you, this, buying a home is the largest investment most people will make in their life. Right. And to think that you wouldn't do some homework beforehand. I mean, people read the consumer report. They can't wait to get the consumer report magazine on all the cars. Right. And they do all this <laughs> research, but they Or a digital just, camera. Right. Or yeah. a digital camera. Yeah. Or a computer. Every, right. Every, I just right. got the one for yeah. computers. Right. And so, you know, I, you know, so people spend a lot of time researching plasma TVs and all these things, but when they're going to buy a $125,000 house, they just go out and do it. And so I would really say for people who are getting ready to make that transition to homeownership, to really take the time and invest the time in the pre-purchase homeownership counseling, and there are several agencies across the state, across mid-Michigan, that provide that counseling, right. and they can find those people to do that. And get it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, well, we were just talking about if people can't afford to get into a house, and um, I feel like I would be not doing diligence to our organization, but there are there are organizations out there to help people that are qualified with standard ratios um, for, you know, they have to be approved for a mortgage, and, and that's harder and harder. It's not just like a subprime lending market anymore, but there are programs out there that provide down payment assistance for people. They... Um, they help you find homeownership counseling. They can really make living in communities that you would like to live in affordable. Um, and and they're out there. Um, our organization is only one of them. Right. And, and we're certainly there. Even if it's not time to buy a house, we, you know, we would love to help you find, you know, more information on this life-changing decision that potentially should be something you're, you're thinking about for a year or more. Absolutely. Before you do it. So. John? Well, I was just going to comment again on, uh, you were talking about consumer reports and how it's, it's always more fun to look at the computer or the plasma screen, but to... Uh, to paraphrase my uh, IPE professor from last semester, you know, if you pour all your equity into a Lexus, you have a really fun car to drive for 10 years, and then all your equity is with the maker of the Lexus, and you haven't done what you need to do to help, you know, your own little corner of the economy progress. So as we see this restructuring going on in Michigan and, and across the country, it's important to, you know, invest in the things that are really important, and the house is number one. Right. All right, I'm not buying a Lexus now. I just ruined it. It's over. No Lexus for Dedestin. Um, let's do this since we've talked all about kind of what's going on and and thrown all of the ideas out there about you know what you need to do, take your classes, make sure you have enough money, make sure your credit's good. What? How can a person who wants to buy a house and maybe is not you know thinks they could probably do it? but is now just with you know so many foreclosures and everybody talking about how they can't afford their house is now scared to do it what the recommendation obviously still to come in and talk to somebody about it but what where what's the line between who can afford a house and who can't only well, a lender can really speak yeah, to that well, it, okay. really but it is it 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 depends on your income um and it also depends on your current debt load um, so you have to consider um, any of your consumer debt, which is what a lender will consider when right. they're looking at how much you can afford. So we're talking about student loan payments, credit card payments, car payments. Um, and then you also have to consider your lifestyle uh, because most people will go into, and Michelle is <laughs> laughing at me. <laughs> um, Do you have a Lexus, at, Michelle? I'm not laughing Lexus. at you. I just, I, just, I just wonder how we ever became homeowners, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, and so... You oh, I know to, for me. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have to consider your lifestyle because what is going to happen is, is that you are going to walk into a lender's office and they are going to say, Destin, you make... $75,000. They're going to say, Denison, walk back out the front door. <laughs> Sorry say, about You it. make $75,000 a year. So what that means is that typically now, and, and I don't work with in the lending business, but I can remember a time when they were approving you at about one and a half times your income. Okay. So they would tell you that you could afford a $225,000 house. Okay. But that, do, that only takes into consideration... 
It is? Yeah. Oh. And that's what you meant to say. Yes, two, two and, and a half, half times. times. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I, I wasn't a I math wouldn't have caught major. it. <laughs> well, no, because I was like, how do Wait. I wasn't right. a math major. Well, I can't even add two plus two, so I wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> so it's fine. They would, they, oh, cool. they would tell you that. No, no. And, so, and they would only take into consideration if you had a car payment and a revolving credit line or student loan. They wouldn't take into consideration how much you pay for daycare. Or what right. your electric bill is, or your gas bill, and and or a lot how much of times, you spend on the weekend going or, out, right? Or they don't take any of that into consideration, and so a lot of people find themselves house poor because they buy a house that was not with it really within their means, and so while they can really afford it, they can't afford to do anything else. Right. And so the thing that you really have to consider is that if you're renting right now and your rent is seven hundred dollars a month. And you say, you write down, and this is why the um, homeownership counseling is so important because it will help you understand your budget. And they go through a budgeting process. And so you will know, well, I could afford up to 900 So then when you go to a lender, you say, you instead of the lender telling you everything, you need to have something in your arsenal that says, I know this, this is, you aren't going to tell me I can afford a $1,200 payment. Right. My limit is 900 What can I get for $900 a month? And then you can go from there. Okay. And in that $900 a month, just if I could interject, is you need to be thinking about the community in which you live and their tax rate. Um, right. You have to be thinking about when you own a standalone home, the utilities are often much higher. I mean, the, they're always higher than from when you <laughs> were in a rental. Um, I mean, so these are things that you have to be thinking about, and, and your lender sometimes won't. Well, I think people are getting much more open about this and, and the advent of the subprime kind of going down. Um, there's not as much of that, but, you know, you can walk in with a number in your head, but you need to make sure that that includes all of those, you know, the whole of what is owning a house and that payment monthly, and that includes taxes, and that includes, you know, if if you're in a city that doesn't do waste removal, then you have to pay for waste removal because it can't just pile up in your backyard. Right. And you have to pay for utilities so that pipes don't freeze because, you know, you could think you'd just turn the thermostat down, but, you know, so... There's a lot that goes into that payment, and it's not just like paying rent right. every month. And, of course, it's really good to go back on what Eric said, and that really is to save up and to have a reserve um, before you buy a house because once you stop renting, you are now your landlord. So when something breaks, you are responsible for right. fixing it. And or so, when the bats move in. Or when the bats move in. You're responsible to have the, the um, orkin man come out and and have them <laughs> and have them exterminated and you know and so you ha- and, and a lot of times people don't take that into consideration and so um, you have to really it's so important to save 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 before you do it because you want to make sure that if you do have to have um, if you have to replace the furnace in two years. I mean, that can be upwards of $5,000 to replace the furnace. And so it's very important to um, make sure that before you buy a home that your offer to purchase is contingent on an inspection because you want a professional inspector that you pay to go out and get in the crawl space and go in the roof and make sure that, that nothing needs to be replaced before or to understand the life of the furnace or the roof or the water heater so that you know what you're getting into. Right. And, and just to clarify real quick, when you say save up for all this stuff, you're not talking about, uh, you know, putting the 401k out there or having a uh, full <laughs> credit line available. No, no. I mean, <laughs> open a savings account. Like, have a jar with some coins right, exactly, in it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Empty your right. pockets every night and on the kitchen counter. You know, do whatever you have to do to have a liquid asset that is there for you, cash in the bank that you've saved up and is set aside. Because, you know, a lot of times people don't think about this. You know, you buy a house, what if the previous owner takes the blinds? You've got all these windows with no covering. And they're not cheap. And Yeah, and they're not <laughs> cheap, and probably your neighbors won't appreciate the Mickey Mouse sheets. Yep. Blankets hey, and a staple gun. <laughs> 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 I actually well, you know, in, in, East, in East Lansing, you can get away with that for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cultural statement. I, 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 
Um, the other thing, and maybe Eric talked to the, about this a little more than I could, but one of the things is that when you do get into a home, ways to make that home more affordable. Um, as my husband and I have been new homeowners, right. um, we have owned our home now for three years. Um, every time we go to do a major mechanical or um, a new roof or um, we're looking at appliances, well, not yet, sorry. Um, hopefully he's not listening. I say, is he listening? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I haven't been online. Um, but you look at things, making things five-star rated or energy efficient, um, because what you can save in your utility bill or just by putting a new roof on our home, actually, right before the winter, I never knew that our second floor could actually have heat. Um, uh-huh. And the roof really helped that. Or just spending $400 more on a more efficient furnace has saved, you know, how many hundreds of dollars over a very long, cold Michigan winter. Yeah. Um, and I know, Eric, you guys have a, a pretty high standard when you when you rehab homes, and, and that's one of the things you look to. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that has certainly been one of the selling points for, for the product. We, we build both uh, new homes and, and renovated properties. We've done a couple in the city of East Lansing. And, and we strive for a five-star energy star uh, uh, rating uh, scale. We've achieved five-star plus on, on the new homes. And, you know, people will have substantially lower uh, utility bills just because of that. The uh, furnaces we put in are high efficiency. I mean, th- these are things that home buyers should be, should be looking for. Are, are the windows newer? Are they double, double pane? Uh, was insulation put in the attic? You know, is there insulation in the basement up around the uh, around the side walls? Are the pipes wrapped? Just all these little things um, add up to a lot of savings. Um, you know, I know I've got three uh, younger children, and we went through and put compact fluorescents throughout our house, and our electric bills are under forty dollars a month. I mean, wow. uh, and you have three it, children? It makes I have a three, huge difference. Three children. I, I personally have been. I didn't go out and buy all new ones and replace them, but as my light bulbs have burned out, yeah, we've done I've replaced them, them with the compact fluorescent. But um, MISHTA has the same requirement. We do grants for nonprofits and local units of government to do um, new construction, and so we have the same um, five-star energy rating that is required with uh, new construction that we fund. Um, and then we also have an additional... Um, layer on that where our new construction has to be, and I didn't make this up, it has to be visitable, which means that it has to have a zero (laughs) step entry. Um, It also has to have the, um, for, uh, and this is for sort of aging in place. Um, They have to have for future changes, maybe there needs to be a grab bar in the restroom, um, or there has to be a wide enough doorway to turn around a wheelchair, that kind of thing. So we have that requirement. Um, we have those two requirements for new construction when, when our groups are doing new construction. I'm glad that you mentioned new construction because this is something that is a question that I've had uh, through listening to the news and talking to people. How How is it that we justify continuing to make and build new homes when the market is just the way that it is? Well, you you, you, you have to. Well, I yeah I know. Well, that's the I, thing is whatever a the lot market of, will bear. A yeah, lot just, of new construction is actually infill development. I think that's infill new infill development is rare and it's wonderful because um, we were just talking about affordability. But if you live in a community a community in which you live, work, play, go to church, go to school, you're going to save so much money on commuting costs as well. That makes it affordable again. Um, but. I won't get up on my soapbox about the um, cornfields that are actually growing houses. That has recently right. stopped. Um, I have a background in planning and community development, so of course I have a strong feeling about sprawl. But um, but that just like John just said, it's what the market will bear, and I think that we're starting to see that slow down considerably, if not sl- stop altogether. We're seeing a change in sentiment. Mm-hmm. Well, and many people are moving back to the city. People yeah. want to live in the city. They want to be back. Um, and so there is a smaller number of there is a smaller number of people moving outside of the city. They want to live where they don't have to commute into work or they are able to walk. Um, it, you know, and it, it's interesting. I went to a conference, I think it was two years ago, and they had this um 
gentleman who talked about why kids are not walking to school. And he showed all these slides where, like, the sidewalk stops, and then it was just like a field, <laughs> field and they yeah. wanted to know why people weren't, right, right. Why, why kids weren't walking to school. And so... Um, well, that has a lot to do with where they're building the new schools as well. Right, Oftentimes exactly. And, and housing follows schools. We've built schools in the townships now rather than in, in urban areas, and the houses will move to be into that district, and families will move to be into that district. And um, But the school, the industry of building schools actually impacts how we grow more than we know. Yeah. And, and there probably are, I mean, in Lansing, and Lansing and East Lansing have similarities and, and differences, but, you know, the city of Lansing took down a couple dozen houses last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were not that many built up. I mean, we, we built as a land bank authority three, and there there have been some other constructions. So older housing stock is probably coming down faster than new stuff is coming up. But you have to be constantly replenishing that, yeah. that housing right. stock. Right. You know, if, if if it weren't for the auto industry, which Michigan is so heavily dependent upon, I think we really do a good job of, of economic development, right. whether it's been John Engler or Jennifer Granholm uh, at the state level. They have really led some good efforts. We know how to make jobs. But Michigan has been 49th out of the 50 states in the public investment in housing. So you create a job for somebody, but they don't have any place with high-quality homes to live in. We're, we're affordable. I mean, affordable. We've got that name. Yeah. Well, but, right. I mean, Lansing, East Lansing, and the spectrum of, of, of the country is, 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 right. is very right. affordable. But Lansing, m- Lansing, much more so. Lansing, definitely. Um, but people still expect quality. Mm-hmm. You you can renovate houses and and we do a lot of that. We uh, fi- finished up or are finishing up five renovations in in May alone. Um, but that costs a lot of money. You can often build for about the same, and a new home will add to the quality of the housing stock even more than our high quality renovations. Right. You know. With so so you've got to constantly would, be doing. That. I have to make the plug though for historic preservation. However, I mean we live in a fairly historic neighborhood mm-hmm. and. And when a house is knocked down and, and, and a new house is put in its place, and I know that there's been studies out there, especially um, the urban planning discipline right now has been looking at a form-based code, which is essentially going through and looking at the housing stock that exists and then recreating that pattern, basically a pattern book. And then when you create infill housing, you try to make that infill housing blend in. Well, that's not always the case, and I think that there is actually a detriment in a historic area um, when you're just slapping down, I mean, none of our garages are in the front in my neighborhood, but if you put a house with a garage in the front, it's going to kind of disrupt. So, I mean, I understand certainly that a new house is going to add a lot of value, but that new house needs to be within character. Well, we certainly sure. do that. Yes, sure. and I would expect that. I would expect that, Eric. Not to say, not to say that the land bank uh, doesn't do that, but I think that Oftentimes we do have, um, I mean, developers have been developing for quite a few years now traditionally suburban neighborhoods with winding streets, garages fronting forward, and when that comes into the urban area, it often is not translating well. And so those pattern books really do need to be looked at, or at least the pattern of the community needs to be looked at. So, you know, this this really is a little bit unique in in Michigan and in mid-Michigan. So, I mean, we we have talked about at the state level, uh, MISHTA has saved the dream program locally. We have 211, hold on to your home. So, I mean, existing Mm -hmm. homeowners, if if they're caught up in the the predatory bad lender situation, they have places to, to reach out. Um, but also, then we had these tools like the land bank, like the other nonprofit uh, uh, affordable housing uh, developers and providers in our community uh, that, that can create new and better, improved, renovated product for those people that are now ready to buy in this buyer's opportunity. So, dis- despite the you know the naysayers and the negative stuff that that is out there, that's life. Um, we have tools to help people caught up in the bad stuff or for people that are ready to make that, you know, big decision to buy a home, we are creating high-quality, affordable products that we can match them up to in Lansing and East Lansing and in some of the surrounding communities. Uh, so we really run from soup to nuts in, in mm-hmm. the spectrum of housing sure. uh, that, we've, that we've been able to cover here tonight. Uh, it's not all gloom and doom, uh, right. not by any means, right. certainly not in, uh, in mid-Michigan. Oh, yes, thank you very much, John. 
This is a uh, call-in program, and that would be my bad, so I take full responsibility for that. Um, if you have any questions or comments um, about the housing issues, we're going to call them, uh, you can call up here at the station, 432-3893. That's in the 517 area code. And um, we'll be happy to either answer questions or talk about what you want to talk about. Um, I guess what as I was... As long as it has to do with housing. Right, as long as it... Well, <laughs> as long it as can it be any to, color as long as it's black. That's right, exactly. As long as it's what <laughs> we want to talk of, about. Right. Don't just call <laughs> up with your <laughs> own thing. Right. Okay, thank you for pointing that out, Michelle. We, we don't want anybody calling in with misguided information. Um, I guess, no, I, what I was trying to say before is just with the, the new home building versus the you know the renovating of older homes. I guess if... if and you know my perspective again is probably coming more from a, of a township you know versus a city so you know i am seeing these houses come up in fields that are just sitting there with no nothing going on i'm seeing you know more office space go up it's just sitting empty and it's like well where how do you draw the line where well i mean developing in a township is often um more cost effective um especially the second you get out of the city with the exception of some of our more urban townships surrounding lansing and east lansing um they have similar tax structures um to the cities but the land is often cheaper the further you get out from the city the taxes are cheaper the the further you get out from the city traditionally right um but I think people are starting to realize that there's a real quality of life. Um, you know, it's a, it's a choice. Everybody has a choice. And I think that that's important that some people really do want to live on their five acres in a suburban area. And that is a choice that needs to be offered because we are the land of choice. Right. Um, but we are seeing in um, the younger generation and the older generation. So there's still that happy contingent to be in the township but we are seeing people return to the area where services are available where it's walkable where um you know that commute time is is greatly reduced things like four dollars and twenty cent gas yeah i was gonna say with gas and and that that's why in you know in the urban area we we see this as an opportunity and we have accelerated our production of of renovated uh, homes and, and new and and they're finding buyers. I mean, the the activity is uh, is been very strong. Yeah. We, we have not really had homes in inventory. They're they're selling off as uh, as quickly as we're able to produce them. We're doing a little bit faster, so that that may change for a while. Um, you know, I I live in downtown East Lansing or or near to it. When I come home on a Friday night, I park the car and I ride my bike yeah. and I walk places. Yeah. And and I don't have to get in a car. I, I don't enjoy that as much as I did in my in my younger days. Um, but uh, because you weren't driving the the car that could call all three kids, so. <laughs> right. um, you know. But I, 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 I don't I don't need I don't need a big yard for my home because there's a park two blocks right. two ways. Right. You know. Uh, yes, we pay a little bit more in property taxes in East Lansing, um, but you get the services. You walk to the arts festival. You walk to the folk festival. Yeah. You walk to yeah. football games. I mean, you you just can't get that. There there's no there there. Right. in a lot of our uh, outlying areas, including the, the charter townships. Now, this is all making me wish I was about six years older and I could take advantage of this market, but, you know, <laughs> I guess stuff happens. Well, I think, I think, though, that even six years from now, somebody who has planned carefully and um, knows, done their research and really knows where they want to be, they're going to find that house that's affordable. My husband and I, I just mentioned, we're brand-new homeowners, and we were able to buy our dream house out of the starting gate. I mean, and... Neither one of us thought when we first got married that we'd ever be able to do that. And our first anniversary, we celebrated in our new house. And it's out there. It can happen. That, that is one of Michigan's and mid-Michigan's aces in the hole. I mean, the economy is diversified. Um, those homes in six years, whether it's the land bank or some other entity, some private entity producing them, they'll be available and, and there for you when you're ready to buy. Yep. And there's several um, affordable housing developers um, the Greater Lansing um, Housing, housing Coalition, Coalition um, Hometown Housing Partnership that Franklin I'm with, um, Franklin Street. There's several out there that um, actually specifically target people that are just graduating. It's their yeah. first house, um, and there's all sorts of assistance out there and available, and any one of us um, would be willing to talk more and and you know the 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 real neat thing because the, the land bank we're just getting going three three years now but 
um, we're beginning to find private sector individuals learning the tool and, and what it can do and how we can uh, assist them in creating these, these products that people want. So, so the private sector is beginning to engage, despite the economy that surrounds us. Mm -hmm. Again, things are better here than in a lot of places. Um, but the private sector uh, eventually figures out that you know suburban uh, green space sprawl isn't nearly as lucrative as, as infill, and we're getting more and more interest from builders on uh, lots that can mm -hmm. be built on uh, right in, in the downtown area. That's and the, good. And, and the other thing to remember is that... Um, that now local units of government are putting their focus back on revitalizing communities, especially those communities that surround their downtown, because downtowns are very important to the life of a city. Right. And so if you're, you know, it's, it is sort of, um, people may argue, but I think it's kind of like the chicken and the egg, which came first. But, you know, what comes first, economic development, a place to go, or housing, but they will each follow each other. Right. And so as, as, as there is focus placed on bringing life, breathing life back into downtowns, then you will see that kind of ripple out into those first, second, and third ring neighborhoods around your downtown. Um, you know, it, you know, to speak to Lansing, the areas that surround the downtown are beautiful. There are beautiful homes in that area, and it is, and it's just really ripe for revitalization. And right. it's not far from where some of the units that the land bank has done. They're just beautiful homes there, and it's just time to kind of, you know, take back the the those neighborhoods and the cities. Cities are now realizing that that's what they need to do. Right. They need to be looking at those areas adjacent to downtown because they want economic development. They want businesses downtown. But people have to be there to, you know, to go to those businesses in order for them to stay alive right. and strive. And so I think that that is really good for cities. And so for a long time to come, I think that you'll see that you'll see houses being renovated in those neighborhoods that are in the ring around downtown. You'll see that those neighborhoods are coming back to life, that they're taking a different face. You're going to see um, younger families coming back into the city, as well as empty nesters, people who their children are grown and they're gone. They're coming back into the city. Right. And so it really is, I mean, that is what's, and, and a perfect example is in downtown Detroit. That's what yeah. they're saying. You know, they're called urban pioneers. But these people are moving into those units that they're building downtown. Yeah. Well, didn't downtown Detroit actually had an increase of population? Which, I mean, the last census really? we heard in, about. In the downtown core. In the area. downtown yeah. core. Oh, okay. Not the city as a whole, but, but, but the downtown core. But, you know, core. I mean, what, 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 the, what the market is telling us as gas prices go up is the homes in the urban core are not having the declines mm -hmm. that the spread out, you know, far suburb homes are. But so. also the very core of Detroit is a special case because it, it remains, you know, with all the businesses that continue to stay there, it remains a very high-priced area. So I guess my question would be, how do we extend that prosperity to the area just outside the core that's still very densely urban? Mm. That's where we're seeing those $4,000 yeah. properties, and, and that's yeah. pretty tough. I mean, there, there's places in southwest Detroit, but I mean, that 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 is a real challenge. I mean, unfortunately, it's it's a part of our state. It's a beautiful uh, area if you can get beyond some of the some of the problems they've had. But uh, you know what we can do around here is make sure that Mid Michigan, that the state capital area, is just as strong as it can be, and uh, that's good for Detroit. And hopefully, and Detroit for, will be good for itself. And that's good, good for us. What's good for Detroit is good for us too. It, it's reciprocal. I mean, every you know, every we're all in this together. We, yeah. I'm, I'm taking a, I'm taking the Michigan Association of County Treasurers to the renovated book Cadillac in February of 2010. I mean, Very I'm doing cool. what I can do. <laughs> Excellent. So. Very cool. Exactly. And so. but you're starting to see. I mean, our association had our um, our annual conference down in Detroit, and what an eye opener! How great it was mm -hmm. to bring you know urban planners from around the state rural urban planners from around the state to Detroit and really get a, a breath of it, you know, to understand it. All right. We've got about a minute left, so um, that went fast. <laughs> I was like, wow, <laughs> didn't we just start? Um, so maybe you can all uh, just review. We'll go around and you can review your numbers and just, you know, you can start. Um, 
Unless. For Hometown Housing Partnership? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, for Hometown Housing Partnership, uh, we can always be reached. Uh, soon you will see us online at www.hometownhousing.org. Please keep checking back weekly. We're hoping to launch that site soon. Um, and uh, the, if you want more information immediately, um, our organization can be reached through 517-974-5433. Very good. John, I didn't mean to skip over you if you wanted to give out your personal number. Just for anybody. <laughs> 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 Seems like a nice guy. If you're interested in learning more about the uh, subprime crisis, uh, yeah. you can, uh, uh, well, Google. read about it. <laughs> <Google>. <laughs> right. soon, soon to be Don't published. All right. and, uh, the sorry, uh, Michigan State Housing Development Authority has several different divisions to help with all kinds of different things. So, um, Listeners, uh, it is their best avenue to visit us on the web. It's www.michigan.gov forward slash MSHDA. Uh, if you are in the Ingham County area, I do work with Ingham County, and so I can be reached at mm-hmm. uh, 517-241-0895. Very good. Thank you, John. And, and the help tools are 211 or holdontoyourhome.org, or if you want to buy a home, inghamlandbank.org. All right. I'd like to thank my panel. I'm DeDestin, and you've been listening to Exposure. We'll be back same time next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.